chapter twenty seven of mrs craddock by william somerset mom this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva time passed slowly slowly bertha wrapped her pride about her like a cloak but sometimes it seemed too heavy to bear and she nearly fainted the restraint which she imposed upon herself was often intolerable anger and hatred seethed within her but she forced herself to preserve the smiling face which people had always seen she suffered intensely from her loneliness of spirit she had not a soul to whom she could tell her unhappiness it is terrible to have no means of expressing oneself to keep imprisoned always the anguish that gnaws at one's heart-strings it is well enough for the writer he can find solace in his words he can tell his secret and yet not betray it but the woman has only silence bertha loathed edward now with such angry physical repulsion that she could not bear his touch and every one she knew was his admiring friend how could she tell fanny glover that edward was a fool who bored her to death when fanny glover thought him the best and most virtuous of mankind she was annoyed that in the universal estimation edward should have eclipsed her so entirely once his only importance lay in the fact that he was her husband but now the positions were reversed she found it very irksome thus to shine with reflected light and at the same time despised herself for the petty jealousy she could not help remembering that court leys was hers and that if she chose she could send edward away like a hired servant at last she felt it impossible longer to endure his company he made her stupid and vulgar she was ill and weak and she utterly despaired she made up her mind to go away again this time forever if i stay i shall kill myself for two days edward had been utterly miserable a favorite dog had died and he was brought to the verge of tears bertha watched him contemptuously you are more affected over the death of a wretched poodle than you have ever been over a pain of mine oh don't rag me now there's a good girl i can't bear it fool muttered bertha under her breath he went about with hanging head and melancholy face telling every one the particulars of the beast's demise in a voice quivering with emotion poor fellow said miss glover he has such a good heart bertha could hardly repress the bitter invective that rose to her lips if people knew the coldness with which he had met her love the indifference he had shown to her tears and to her despair she despised herself when she remembered the utter self-abasement of the past he made me drink the cup of humiliation to the very dregs from the height of her disdain she summed him up for the thousandth time it was inexplicable that she had been subject to a man so paltry in mind so despicable in character it made her blush with shame to think how servile had been her love 
dr ramsay who was visiting bertha for some trivial ill happened to come in when she was engaged with such thoughts well he said as soon as he had taken a breath and how is edward to-day good heavens how should i know she cried beside herself the words slipping out unawares after the long constraint hello what's this have the turtle doves had a tiff at last oh i'm sick of continually hearing edward's praises i'm sick of being treated as an appendage to him what's the matter with you bertha said the doctor bursting into a shout of laughter i always thought nothing pleased you more than to hear how much we all liked your husband oh my good doctor you must be blind or an utter fool i thought every one knew by now that i loathe my husband what shouted dr ramsay then thinking bertha was unwell come come i see you want a little medicine my dear you're out of sorts and like all women you think the world is consequently coming to an end bertha sprang from the sofa do you think i should speak like this if i hadn't good cause don't you think i'd conceal my humiliation if i could oh i've hidden it long enough now i must speak oh god i can hardly help screaming with pain when i think of all i've suffered and hidden i've never said a word to any one but you and now i can't help it i tell you i loathe and abhor my husband and i utterly despise him i can't live with him any more and i want to go away dr ramsay opened his mouth and fell back in his chair he looked at bertha as if he expected her to have a fit <laughs> you're not serious bertha stamped her foot impatiently of course i'm serious do you think i'm a fool too we've been miserable for years and it can't go on if you knew what i've had to suffer when every one has congratulated me and said how pleased they were to see me so happy sometimes i've had to dig my nails in my hands to prevent myself from crying out the truth bertha walked up and down the room letting herself go at last the tears were streaming down her cheeks but she took no notice of them she was giving full vent to her passionate hatred oh i've tried to love him you know how i loved him once how i adored him i would have laid down my life for him with pleasure i would have done anything he asked me i used to search for the smallest indication of his wishes so that i might carry them out it overjoyed me to think that i was his abject slave but he's destroyed every vestige of my love and now i only despise him i utterly despise him oh i've tried to love him but he's too great a fool the last words bertha said with such force that dr ramsay was startled my dear bertha oh i know you all think him wonderful i've had his praises thrown at me for years but you don't know what a man really is till you've lived with him till you've seen him in every mood and in every circumstance i know him through and through and he's a fool you can't conceive how stupid how utterly brainless he is he bores me to death come now you don't mean what you say you're exaggerating as usual you must expect to have little quarrels now and then upon my word i think it took me twenty years to get used to my wife oh for god's sake don't be sententious bertha interrupted fiercely i've had enough moralizing in these five years 
i might have loved edward better if he hadn't been so moral he's thrown his virtues in my face till i'm sick of them he's made every goodness ugly to me till i sigh for vice just for a change oh you can't imagine how frightfully dull is a really good man now i want to be free i tell you i can't stand it any more bertha again walked up and down the room excitedly upon my word cried dr ramsay i can't make head or tail of it i didn't expect you would i knew you'd only moralize what do you want me to do shall i speak to him no no i've spoken to him endlessly it's no good do you suppose your speaking to him will make him love me he's incapable of it all he can give me is esteem and affection good god what do i want with esteem it requires a certain intelligence to love and he hasn't got it i tell you he's a fool oh when i think that i'm shackled to him for the rest of my life i feel i could kill myself come now he's not such a fool as all that everyone agrees that he's a very smart man of business and i can't help saying that i've always thought you did uncommonly well when you insisted on marrying him it was all your fault cried bertha if you hadn't opposed me i might not have married so quickly oh you don't know how i've regretted it i wish i could see him dead at my feet dr ramsay whistled his mind worked somewhat slowly and he was becoming confused with the overthrow of his cherished opinions and the vehemence with which the unpleasant operation was conducted i didn't know things were like this of course you didn't said bertha scornfully because i smiled and hid my sorrow you thought i was happy when i look back on the wretchedness i've gone through i wonder that i can ever have borne it i can't believe that this is very serious you'll be of a different mind to-morrow and wonder that such things ever entered your head you mustn't mind an old chap like me telling you that you're very headstrong and impulsive after all edward is a fine fellow and i can't believe that he would willingly hurt your feelings oh for heaven's sakes don't give me more of edward's praises i wonder if you're a little jealous of the way he's got on asked the doctor looking at her sharply bertha blushed for she had asked herself the same question and much scorn was needed to refute it i my dear doctor you forget oh don't you understand that it isn't a passing whim it's dreadfully serious to me i've borne the misery till i can bear it no longer you must help me to get away if you have any of your old affection for me do what you can i want to go away but i don't want to have any more rows with edward i just want to leave him quietly it's no good trying to make him understand that we're incompatible he thinks that it's enough for my happiness just to be his wife he's of iron and i am pitifully weak i used to think myself so strong am i to take it that you're absolutely serious do you want to take the extreme step of separating from your husband 
it's an extreme step that i've taken before last time i went with a flourish of trumpets but now i want to go without any fuss at all i still loved edward then but i have even ceased to hate him oh i knew i was a fool to come back but i couldn't help it he asked me to return and i did well i don't know what i can do for you i can't help thinking that if you wait a little things will get better i can't wait any longer i've waited too long i'm losing my whole life why don't you go away for a few months and then you can see miss ley is going to italy for the winter as usual isn't she upon my word i think it would do you good to go too i don't mind what i do so long as i can get away i'm suffering too much have you thought that edward will miss you asked dr ramsay gravely no he won't good heavens don't you think i know him by now i know him through and through and he's callous and selfish and stupid and he's making me like himself oh dr ramsay please help me does miss ley know asked the doctor remembering what she had told him on her visit to court leys no i'm sure she doesn't she thinks we adore one another and i don't want her to know i'm such a coward now years ago i never cared a straw for what any one in the world thought of me but my spirit is utterly broken oh get me away from here dr ramsay get me away she burst into tears weeping as she had been long unaccustomed to do she was utterly exhausted after the outburst of all that for years she had kept hid i'm still so young and i almost feel an old woman sometimes i should like to lie down and die and have done with it all a month later bertha was in rome but at first she was hardly able to realize the change in her condition her life at court leys had impressed itself upon her with such ghastly distinctness that she could not imagine its cessation she was like a prisoner so long immured that freedom dazes him and he looks for his chains and cannot understand that he is free the relief was so great that bertha could not believe it true and she lived in fear that her vision would be disturbed and that she would find herself again within the prison walls of court leys it was a dream that she wandered in sunlit places where the air was scented with violets and with roses the people were unreal the models lounging on the steps of the piazza di spagna the ragged urchins quaintly costumed and importunate the silver speech that caressed the air how could she believe that life was true when it gave blue sky and sunshine so that the heart thrilled with joy when it gave rest and peace and the most delightful idleness real life was gloomy and strenuous its setting a georgian mansion surrounded by desolate wind-swept fields in real life every one was very virtuous and very dull the ten commandments hedged one round with the menace of hell-fire and eternal damnation a dungeon more terrible because it had not walls nor bars and bolts 
but beyond these gloomy stones with their harsh thou shalt not is a land of fragrance and of light where the sunbeams send the blood running gaily through the veins where the flowers give their perfume freely to the air in token that riches must be spent and virtue must be squandered where the amorets flutter here and there on the spring breezes unknowing whither they go uncaring it is a land of olive trees and of pleasant shade and the sea kisses the shore gently to show the youths how they must kiss the maidens their dark eyes flash lambently telling the traveller he need not fear since love may be had for the asking blood is warm and hands linger with grateful pressure in hands and red lips ask for the kisses that are so sweet to give there the flesh and the spirit walk side by side and each is well satisfied with the other ah give me the sunshine of this blissful country and a garden of roses and the murmur of a pleasant brook give me a shady bank and wine and books and the coral lips of amaryllis and i will live in complete felicity for at least ten days to bertha the life in rome seemed like a play miss leys left her much freedom and she wandered alone in strange places she went often to the market and spent the morning among the booths looked at a thousand things she did not want to buy she fingered rich silks and antique bits of silver smiling at the compliments of a friendly dealer the people bustled around her talking volubly intensely alive and yet in her inability to understand that what she saw was true they seemed but puppets she went to the galleries to the sistine chapel or to the stanze of raphael and lacking the hurry of the tourist and his sense of duty she would spend a whole morning in front of one picture or in a corner of some old church weaving with the sight before her the fantasies of her imagination and when she felt the need of her fellow-men bertha went to the pincio and mingled with the throng that listened to the band but the franciscan monk in his brown cowl standing apart was a figure of some romantic play and the soldiers in gay uniforms the bersaglieri with the bold cock's feathers in their hats were the chorus of a comic opera and there were black-robed priests some old and fat taking the sun and smoking cigarettes at peace with themselves and with the world others young and restless the flesh unsubdued shining out of their dark eyes and every one seemed as happy as the children who romped and scampered with merry cries but gradually the shadows of the past fell away and bertha was able more consciously to appreciate the beauty and the life that surrounded her and knowing it transitory she set herself to enjoy it as best she could care and youth are with difficulty yoked together and merciful time wraps in oblivion the most gruesome misery 
bertha stretched out her arms to embrace the wonders of the living world and she put away the dreadful thought that it must end so quickly in the spring she spent long hours in the gardens that surrounded the city where the remains of ancient rome mingled exotically with the half-tropical luxuriance and called forth new and subtle emotions the flowers grew in the sarcophagi with a wild exuberance wantoning it seemed in mockery of the tomb from which they sprang death is hideous but life is always triumphant the rose and the hyacinth arise from man's decay and the dissolution of man is but the signal of other birth and the world goes on beautiful and ever new revelling in its vigour bertha went to the villa medici and sat where she could watch the light glowing on the mellow facade of the old palace and syrinx peeping between the reeds the students saw her and asked who was the beautiful woman who sat so long and so unconscious of the eyes that looked at her she went to the villa doria pamphili majestic and pompous the fitting summer-house of princes in gorgeous clothes of bishops and of cardinals and the ruins of the palatine with its cypress trees sent her thought back and back and she pictured to herself the glory of bygone power but the wildest garden of all the garden of the matei pleased her best here were a greater fertility and a greater abandonment the distance and the difficulty of access kept strangers away and bertha could wander through it as if it were her own she thought she had never enjoyed such exquisite moments as were given her by its solitude and its silence sometimes a troop of scarlet seminarists sauntered along the grass-grown avenues vivid color against the verdure then she went home tired and happy and sat at her open window and watched the dying sun the sun set over st peter's and the mighty cathedral was transfigured into a temple of fire and gold the dome was radiant formed no longer of solid stones but of light and sunshine it was the crown of a palace of hyperion then as the sun fell to the horizon st peter's stood out in darkness stood out in majestic profile against the splendor of heaven End of chapter twenty seven